The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And today we welcome back for the last time a man who's done jello shots with Gul Dukat and lived to tell the tale, Sam Stovold of Reopening the Wormhole, a Star Trek DS9 podcast and Marvel Star Wars Explorers. Thank you so much for having me back. And may I recommend never doing uh, jello shots with Gul Dukat because he's a terrifying person. <laughs> <laughs> a person. It's nice that you call him a person. Yeah. He is. You know, I, we've had this debate on our show before. I'm not going to get into it here. But <laughs> he, it's a, he's a person, you know. I don't think people are necessarily humans. Like, especially if you're, uh, and yeah, I probably shouldn't get into this here. But, you know, aliens are people too. No. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's had even some trauma. Even if they're terrible, horrifying people like Goldicott, they're still people. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little genocidal, but you know, you know, he's he's had he's had pain, he's had hurt. Sure. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's you know, he's one of the worst people. He's one of the worst people ever, and I say that he is a person. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that says a lot about your compassion and seeing people as people. So. Yeah, don't get me started. I, I could talk to you about Takah for days. And therefore, people should also check out your podcast if they're DS9 fans and and get the full. Full download there because I'm sure you guys talk about Gold Dukat at. I mean, you'd have to. I mean, he's he's pretty he's pretty key in things. Yeah, or well, our episodes on that podcast are ridiculous. We're regularly clocking in at like two and a half, three hours per episode, so we are spending a lot of time diving into the uh, terrifying psyche of Gold uh, It's <laughs> a, it's a dark place to be, but we love it. Oh yeah, yeah I, w- I was exhausted that episode that I guessed it by the end of that episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I actually asked him then when I came on Marvel Star Wars Explorers, I said, do you guys record as long for that one as you do for reopening the wormhole? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we don't, but I, we are getting closer, man. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, uh, my, I, ca- I can't record a reasonably length podcast episode. But thank you for having me again onto your reasonably length <laughs> <laughs> podcast now. We're fans um, of brevity. <laughs> well, I'm so happy we, to be back. Well, thank you. We're we're happy to have you. Um, so for here, for minute six, we start out with a sweet view of the New York skyline, and we end up with a helicopter and the Brooklyn Bridge. So says Eric. Yeah, well, you know, we get the skyline, and we get what uh, used to be, you know, the most recognizable part of the skyline, the World Trade Center. It made me think of other pop culture uses of the Twin Towers. You know, what were my favorite uses of the Twin Towers that I remember? I mean, especially, you know, I mean, I have, you know, as a kid, I I was at the Twin Towers. My parents would sometimes take me down to the city for the day. We'd go to the top. But uh, from a pop culture perspective, the few that came to mind, my favorite was probably the original, the very first trailer that came out for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers. It's still on YouTube, but uh, since that the trailers for that were running uh, before the attacks, 
I, I remember I was in a movie theater. Some trailer came on, and it was pretty boring. It was like a bunch of guys robbing a bank. And <laughs> I was like, what is this stupid movie? This is a boring trailer. And then all of a sudden, the guys get away in a helicopter, and the helicopter suddenly freezes in midair. I'm like, oh, what's going on in this trailer? And it zooms out, and the helicopter's in this giant web suspended between the two twin towers. And it's the only time in my life that a trailer made me go out loud, oh! (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that it was the Spider-Man trailer. And uh, as soon as the attacks happened, they cut the trailer and they never showed it again, but you you can still see it online. Of course, there's a very famous Simpsons episode with the Twin Towers where Homer famously has to go to the bathroom, goes to the top of one, they tell him the bathroom's closed, he has to go all the way back down and go back to the top of the next one to finally pee. Uh, very funny scene. There is a documentary about the person who walked on a tightrope across from the top, the roof of one to the other called Man on Wire. It is a fascinating documentary. Uh, the guy snuck up there, attached uh, 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 his rope across from one side to the other, and then walked out on the rope and actually hung out for a couple of hours doing all kinds of somersaults right there at the top with no net, no attachment, no nothing. And then eventually uh, walked to the other side and got arrested. Wow. So worth it, though. Oh, absolutely. Were the cops, like, waiting on either side? Waiting yes. For him to come yes, back? they were. <laughs> okay. So I guess that's why he was hanging out there. He's like, yeah, oh, i got to make yeah. the most of this. <laughs> dude, that is the most patient, like, even-tempered dude, like, ever. You've got cops waiting for you on either side, and you're on a tightrope in between the Twin Towers, and you're just like, it's cool. Like, that's the guy who should go into, like, brain surgery. You know? <laughs> like, that's, that's like, the crisis management guy. Well, there's got to be some pretty patient cops, too, because you do not want to be the guy that flies off the handle in that situation, and it's just like, oh, sorry, I made you fall. <laughs> uh, right, right. No, that's an excellent point. Did either of you have any uh, other pop culture uses of the Twin Towers that came to mind? Uh, well, you covered Spider-Man and Simpsons, which, which would be two of my big ones. Um, uh, the One of the other ones that was actually very recent for me, um, I only saw it for the first time last year, but I kind of had a real soft spot for it, was the uh, 1976 King Kong movie. Oh, right. And he does climb to the top of one of the towers and in uh, like a Really exciting moment that it, it really got me swept up in the magic of the movies. There's this portion where he he's being fired upon by the planes and he jumps from one tower to the other and you see it from the bottom. You just like see him jumping across and I was uh, I was I was swept up in it. Like that that movie has its faults, but it's got a lot of strengths too, as far as I'm concerned. And I was I was surprised how much I liked it and I loved uh, the the part that the, the Twin Towers played in it. Yeah, is that the one he looks at it and and like in his brain, like they show like a, a shot of it and like he sees like the mountains from his island or something like that? Yeah, yeah, because there was like on Skull Island or Kong Island or whatever it's called in that movie, there's um like the place that he called his home was like these two twin spires sort of like near the center of the island. And he was like, oh, that sort of looks similar to that. And right, that's, right. That's why he, in that reality, that's why he climbs up uh, a building and that is because it's. Reminds him of home. Mm. Poor King Kong. Poor I know. He's, he's such a tragic figure. Yeah, but he that, really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, otherwise you, you covered some of my faves. So uh, so we have the skyline. And as we mentioned yesterday, uh, this is almost certainly a matte painting. The famous person that did the matte paintings on this movie was none other than James Cameron. 
Really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, cutting his teeth. Yeah. Hadn't yet done uh, Battle Beyond the Stars yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, years, you know, several years before the first Terminator movie. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. I, I I love these map paintings. Like, I love. There's something about them that's it's like it's close to real, but it's not quite real, and mm-hmm. it exists right in that sweet spot of uh, cinema around this time where it's like, you know, I don't I don't want it to be real. Like, I want it to have this sort of uh, almost heightened quality to it where it feels like looking at like a like a live action or like a moving comic panel or something like mm-hmm. like that for the first panel that we get of like the the helicopter coming from the wall on the left side of the screen towards the new york on the right mm-hmm. like that i could i could totally see that in uh like a gritty uh 80s batman comic or watchmen or something like that just you know like all those those gritty sort of dark uh, 80s comics like it, it feels right in line with that that whole vibe and that aesthetic mm-hmm. and, uh, love it yeah there's something about and this is something that i've always i think really preferred but i i just don't know that we have gotten to the place with uh computer animation where it blends seamlessly enough for me to suspend my disbelief enough and even though this is you know when you look at it you understand you're like oh yeah that's 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 not a, a real picture of a of a real live set of buildings and a skyline but there is something a little bit more in the real world and tactile to it and, and kind of like what you're saying Sam that this is you know there's an aesthetic that's been created because it is a painting and so you do have this other it, it gives you a, a creative element to it and there's a part of, I think, computer generation, you know, like like puppets, for example. So I don't know if you guys are like Farscape fans, but I know that people were like upset about the puppets to a certain degree and being like, it just wasn't real enough for them. And and I kind of disagree. And I think that's along these same lines that I think having something that exists, you know, three-dimensionally, or I guess two-dimensionally in this case, in, in the real world always looks a bit better to me than something that's, you know, kind of a half-assed computer generation, you know, image that's trying to, you know, infuse with the environment. So I, I appreciate James, you did a hell of a job painting, man. Cause like, I, I, I dig it. I, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we, we pan off of the skyline and we get, we, we get a little taste of what it's like uh, for people trying to escape because we get two guys on a raft <laughs> trying to make their way through the choppy waters of New York Harbor. Uh, but they've been found, and a helicopter warns them, you got 10 seconds, turn around, start back to the island. And I counted, the helicopter only gave him eight of those 10 seconds before he starts firing. Th- that uh, feels right, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, could see, I could see within Universe, like, don't give them the full 10 seconds. What you, come on, what do you got? <laughs> see, I think that's rude, man. I think <laughs> that, like, I do. Like, I was totally like, this is bullshit. You should totally give them more than 10 seconds because, like, okay, you've been caught, you know? Like, these are two dudes on a makeshift raft. Like, how are they going to, how are you going to be able to tell from a helicopter that they're actually trying to, like, make their way back to where they're supposed to go? Like, how yeah, well, that's, that's what I love. Like, it says so much about th- this t- this terrible world. Like, the, uh, to, all right, so uh, th- there's sort of like, it's a three-part thing this whole week. Like, the first week is all about establishing, or I'm sorry, the first episode that we did this week was all about establishing, like, the story of what's going on. Uh, the second episode is all about establishing the atmosphere. And this, this, uh, this third episode is all about... Um, 
just like the pitch black view of humanity that this movie has mm. <laughs> where it's just uh, like we see these sad people that are just trying to escape and we can assume that they're criminals. You know, they probably are like, I don't I don't know what their lives were like prior to being imprisoned in New York, but um, you know, they're just, they're just trying to escape. They're regular down on their luck folk that have been imprisoned. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like it, it perfectly, like it, it gives us this like view of like the, the like nihilism of this movie where it's like, mm. there's not really anybody that we can root for aside from snake pretty much, you know, the good guys, the government, they're still awful. They're like, they're blackmailing or not black. Well, they're like, they're threatening snakes. Like I, mean, I know you guys, you, you, you're going to be talking about this for episodes and episodes to come, but I, I just feel like this is a really good encapsulation of just how like uh, bleak and hopeless this world is. It's just the, the people that have so much power, uh, they're, they're flying around in a helicopter. They are completely able to, to shoot these poor people that are just trying to escape out of the water. And they don't even give them the full 10 seconds. It's like that, <laughs> that, that, that seems even better to me. It's like, like, all right, you got 10 seconds to turn around. It's like, they don't even give a shit if they, sorry, they don't, they don't care at all. If they turn around, <laughs> like they are going to shoot these people out of the water because they're trying to escape. And that's the, the world that they're trying to create is where bad people are bad. The good people are bad. It's just, it's such a perfect like way to explain just how miserable the world has become. I, re- I really love this this minute for just being so bleak and so dystopian and so hopeless. <laughs> it's, it's almost like they once they spotted them, the pups like, okay, we're gonna blow these guys out of the water. Well, make sure. Did you follow procedure? Did you give them the ten second warning? <laughs> So that when he fills out his incident report, when he gets back to base, you know, he can check off the box. Yes, I did provide the 10 second warning before I opened fire, even though he already knew he was going to kill him anyway. But at least now he has plausible deniability. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like I provided the warning. I didn't actually yeah. give him the 10 seconds, but I provided the warning. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell if they, you know, they're kind of floating in place. You can't really tell if they're actually trying to turn around or if they're going forward, the script actually makes it explicit that they ignore the warning and keep trying to move forward. Well, mm. yeah, that, that is something that I appreciate is you can't even tell like the water, like the water, the tides are moving around. The water's moving around. It's like, right. you're, I watched, I like watched this minute repeatedly trying to determine if you could even tell and you can't. And it looks like they're rowing in place. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Which I think kind of adds to the humor of it, honestly, that you can't really tell. That it it, it, it is kind of like what you're saying, Sam, that it comes off as additionally sadistic that the warning is given and we aren't even going to give you enough time to make a meaningful course correction. We're just going to, you know, basically missile you from above. It's going to be death from above. So I like that yeah. you mentioned the humor, too, because that is it's some this is like i said it's so it's horrifying in a lot of ways but it does it it sets up the like the the weird humor of this movie where everything is so dark and you have to accept the humor and uh the most awful uh like humanity is in such a dark place at this point in this Mm -hmm. timeline and uh you know you gotta take the humor where you can find it and if it's these prisoners trying to escape being just mercilessly destroyed by this uh, helicopter, then so be it. And this isn't even the darkest version of this scene. The dra- oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it actually got it got it, <laughs> the draft script. The first draft, one of the prisoners actually makes it to the wall, but the guards just shoot him when he gets there. 
But the shooting script is even more gruesome than both that and what actually ends up in the movie. So the raft explodes, and here's exactly what the script says. One of the prisoners is on fire. He is, hur- <laughs> <laughs> he is hurled from the disintegrating raft and falls fizzing into the water. Ooh. The other prisoner bobs in the water, splashing frantically. And other blast from the helicopter. The remaining prisoner explodes. <laughs> bursts into flames. This was the toned down version of the scene. Wow. Wow. Because you do see something fly off to the right. Yeah, you do. You know, and, and it wasn't discernible to me if that was a body part that was <laughs> being, you know, humorously chucked to the side or that was just a portion of the raft that you know didn't didn't take the direct hit for whatever reason but that to me was kind of humorous and in that kind of dark like it's not okay to laugh sort of way but it's funny just in the way that the physics ended up working out yeah i'm watching it again now and honestly it looks like a dummy so it's probably (laughs) supposed to be one of the bodies yeah, that's definitely a dummy flying out there. That's crazy, though, that this was the the, the gentle version of yes. that. Uh, and this uh, found a map, even. <laughs> <laughs> and this scene was filmed off the coast of Long Beach in California. Sam is famous uh, speaking to us from uh, this week. Yet another uncredited cameo. This is the week of uncredited cameos. The voice of the helicopter pilot is none other than director John Carpenter. Oh, oh. there we go. Cool. Yeah. I like that guy. So I had another question. Uh, there's the just these really brief shots inside of the helicopter when you know they're taking aim with the radar and like the beeping. That just seems like that'd be kind of annoying on the job. Like, is there is there maybe another way they could have done the radar that wouldn't be like? I mean, I know for us as an audience, we we have this understanding that obviously he's gearing up to to train his sights on these guys in the uh, in the raft but um i just feel like that's just as a i don't know as an is an engineered you know on the job aspect of the helicopter you're using that like it seems really just super annoying i just feel like they could have you know like surely there's another way you could have like do the radar that isn't you know like that maybe they're trying to uh make it as unpleasant even for the people that are working for them as possible. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this is such, I, I, I just feel like this is such a dark version of humanity that is presented in this movie. This movie's really dark. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I got a lot of respect for you guys. I can't believe you're doing, you're really diving into this thing, but well, I figured, you know, after the nice bright colors and, you know, sort of, goofy campiness of Flash Gordon. I had to go the completely other direction, you know? Yeah, no, I I respect that. It's <laughs> <laughs> felt you know. lighter to me from Cabin, personally. I was like, oh, it'll be like a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Cabin in the Woods is way lighter to me than this movie. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Brad, uh, 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 Brad, I just called you Brad. Speaking of Brad, hey, we haven't thanked uh, Brad Mendenhall yet this week, our producer, uh, who's not allowed to speak, but he's uh, he's sitting there listening right now. Thank you very much, Brad, for your uh, awesome work this week. Thank uh, you, so- loving spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what's your history with this movie? Well, all right, if I'm going to be completely honest, this is only the second time that I've ever watched this movie was in preparation oh. for uh, these minutes. So, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with it, but the last time I watched it, I was... Um, uh, close to, I was either in high school or right out of high school. And, uh, I, I mean, 
I don't know how old you guys are, both of you, but uh, in, in, at least in terms of when crime skyrocketed 400%, I would have been one year old at that point. No. <laughs> so. oh, Bastard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to out Eric as well, but uh, Eric and I are in our 40s. So. Okay. Well, um, so uh, yeah, I'm a little younger than you guys. This was not like a movie that I grew up with. Uh, it was a movie that I was aware of, and um, I, yeah, I, I, I watched it, uh, and it was like a good thing when I like watched it finally, uh, around whenever it was that I watched it, and I, I was like, all right, now I understand. And it seriously has been like over ten years, I think, since I've watched it, and I was, I was really honored that you wanted me to come back and talk about it, and I, and I was, de- I was delighted that I managed to have. So much to say, honestly, because I, I really love, even more than I love a lot of the actual aspects of this movie as it goes on, I love this just initial setup. Like, I, I think there's some there's something so elegant about a lot of the, the things they're doing, like, just seriously, in these three minutes that you had me on, where they're um, they're setting up. You know, well, yeah, like I, like I said, they, they give you the exposition, they give you the atmosphere, and then they give you, like, just an example of the depravity of this, this world. Like I, I actually, I feel like there's a lot of uh, thematic resonance just in the world building uh, in these three minutes that I, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised and delighted that I have so much that I was, uh, was able to contribute and, um, mm. and yeah, no, I, I am, I'm like excited for you guys working <laughs> on this journey. To talk about this movie. <laughs> well, let me tie in one of your other podcasts to this, all right? If, if you end up someday being sent uh, away to prison, which of, which of the following two prisons would be worse, do you think? The Escape from New York prison or Rurapente? Uh, Rurapente. I got to agree with you there. Yeah, Rurapente seems just hopeless. and You're probably yeah. going to die pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you'll be cold while you do it, too. I feel like uh, Escape from New York Prison. Um, if you play your cards right, you can like fall in with the right group, whether it's the Duke or whether it's uh, you know some other Batman villain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you play your cards right, you can you can fall in with the right crowd and you can manage to stay alive. I feel like Rupente, you're just you're just doing slave labor until you die, basically. Mm-hmm. I actually am not familiar with that other ah, okay. prison. It's, uh, it's a Klingon snow prison prison planet. Oh, so wow! You can basically, Hoth with uh, Klingons pointing rifles at you while you perform slave labor. Oh man! Yeah, it's like a mining planet. Yeah, more a mining asteroid. I don't know if it's a planet or an asteroid or what. I don't remember exactly, but or or like the other pr- prisoners, Klingons as well. Uh, all various species of alien. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to go with New York. Because if it's all full <laughs> of Klingons, then I'd be like, ah, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. You know? Well, what, are, <laughs> what are some of the other great fictional prisons? Like, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, okay. doesn't necessarily have to be Rurapente. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well the, when we finally got Schwarzenegger and Stallone in the same movie, it was from that uh, awful uh, movie where they have to escape from a prison. I still haven't seen that. Oh. <laughs> it's only <laughs> worth seeing if you really want to see Schwarzenegger and Stallone finally be in a movie together. Mm. Other than the Expendables, I guess. I haven't made that leap yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you guys see, um, I think it's, is it Chronicles of Riddick? The second one? Not Pitch Black, but 
did you guys see that one with uh, Vin Diesel? I haven't watched any of those Riddick movies. Yeah, either. Okay, there's a completely, it's like a, I mean, the prison, I think, is technically underground, but the planet gets really just like crazy, like bake you hot, and it's called Crematoria. And that's kind of, yeah, rad, huh? And that actually seems pretty similar to Escape from New York in a lot of ways. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, had a prison on an asteroid. Right, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah, it was like a, well, it was run by Kree, but Yeah. yeah. See, yeah, the first half of season five takes place in space. They're in prison on an asteroid. God, I gotta get back to that show. <laughs> I, yes. I watch like the first two seasons, and everything I hear about everything after that just sounds delightful. There's all the prisons and all of the uh, classic 60s and 70s genre of the women in prison uh, genre, of course. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not super familiar with any, uh, <laughs> any of that. Yeah, I'm like, hmm. Well, <laughs> pic- pic- picture the 60s and 70s and what kind of movies would have been made about women in prison. And uh, I think your mind can take you where all those movies basically go. <laughs> Fair enough. As far as fictional prisons go, though, uh, I, I like the I like this New York prison. I think it's um, it's a place where you can... Well, like what? What do they say again? It's like the they make their own worlds, or yeah, yep, mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't know. I, I I feel like there's. It seems terrifying. Like somebody like me that really, honestly, in a lot of ways, wants to sort of blend into the background. Like I would, I would not do well in a situation like this. Uh, but I also hopefully wouldn't commit the crimes that would get me committed into this prison. But um, I don't know. Like uh, I I just feel like these these types of prisons scenarios where it's just like oh we're gonna wall off like a whole society of people uh it's just i think it's funny that the it's just like these huge uh, cults of personality are the types of people that you would sort of rally behind and um i think i would be somebody that would just have to rally behind somebody and sort of be like oh who's like the least bad person that i can sort of like stay alive it, it it it's it's rough it's not a it's not a fun thing to think about um it's a it's a dark it's a dark timeline, and mm-hmm. um, like I said, I, I respect you guys for spending so much time in this dark timeline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, thank you very, very much uh, for joining us this week, for being our first guest. We highly appreciate it. Take one more chance to uh, promote your podcasts. Well, as I mentioned the uh, last two episodes, uh, Reopening the Wormhole is a Deep Space Nine podcast. We cover all the episodes in random order. Um, Marvel Star Wars Explorers, uh, that's a podcast where um, I and a friend are going through all the original Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s and 80s. And um, if you're into Movies by Minute podcasts, and I assume you are if you're listening to this, um, (laughs) I've appeared on a couple of those. I've been on Spider-Man 2 Minute, which was a treat. I've been on Flash Gordon Minute, which was my fave. Uh, I was introduced to Flash Gordon by... Eric, thank you very much. And um, I've also been on 2001 Minute, and I will, uh, within the next couple of weeks, actually be on 2001 Minute again. Oh, so. the, movie's, the movie's so long, you can be on it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I definitely, I don't have my own Movies by Minute podcast, but I, I love uh, participating in the world of Movies by Minute uh, podcasts, so... I just, I mean, thank you both for having me. I can't believe you had me as your first guest. I hope I was okay. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on. Very much appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm excited to uh, hear where you guys go from here. 
All right, let's uh, let me also give a shout out to KJ Valencic who uh, wrote our intro and outro music for our show. Thank you very much, KJ. Hey, why don't you chat with us? We we, we love chatting. On Facebook, you can come uh, enter Brains Library. That's the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. Uh, we're also on Twitter. That's NY Minute Pod. If you like us, uh, rate and review us and subscribe to us. That would make us ever so happy. So we will see you next week. And until then, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.